0: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. In today's show, I am going to be crossing the Atlantic to New Jersey uh, in the US and I'm going to be speaking with a chap called Anthony Scandariato. Anthony is a young man, he's still only in his 20s and he has a wise head on his shoulders, I can say, because in the past four or five years, he has gone from buying his first multi multi-family investment which was just two units. He did that whilst holding down his uh, full-time job as an analyst at a real estate company and he's gone from that and in, in just four or five years he is now today running his own real estate investment and management business with more than 600 units under his and his business partners control. Now, how did he do that so quickly? Well, that's what I'm going to let Anthony explain today on the podcast. But just to kind of uh, cut through a little bit of it, he basically used investment syndication as the uh, methodology to scale his business. Now, what is investment syndication? To those of you who don't know, that is where you go out and sell a small segment, a small piece of your deal to lots and lots of different investors, and. Uh, So you end up with a smaller percentage of the overall deal, but you do get fees for managing, for putting the deal together, and where you get really well paid, is if the deal does well, you get a much, much bigger percentage of that profit. The syndication uh, methodology, here in Ireland anyway, got quite a bad name for itself back after the last crash, back in 2008, because an awful lot of those syndications that were put together, they went bust uh, but they didn't go bust because the methodology is inherently flawed or anything like that they simply the guys that were making the investments for them were buying at the very very top of the market there was a kind of i suppose you could call it greed just simply like flooded the market and the fees that could be generated from the from the syndication method and by being able to charge your investors so much and if you made these outside pro outsized profits you were able to get huge magnified returns on that. And so a lot of people went into that space, a lot of people bid up the properties, and in the end the whole thing went wallop as we know. If you've got a manager with a conservative and risk adverse kind of approach or a low risk approach, then the whole thing can work an awful lot better. And Anthony is clearly doing something right, as he'll be explaining today. So look, I'm gonna stop talking now. I'm gonna let Anthony tell his story. So without further ado, my conversation with Anthony Scandariato. are listening to Behind the Facade, the number one podcast for investing with a particular focus on the real estate and property investment market. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I'm going to be exploring the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Anthony Scandariato, welcome to the show.
1: Gavin, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Not at all. Anthony, it's nice to have you. So you're calling us from uh, New Jersey in the US, that's right?
1: That is correct. Yep. New Jersey, about uh, 40 minutes outside of, you know, to put it in perspective, midtown Manhattan. Okay.
0: Yeah. I I mentioned that my brother lived in Hoboken for 10 years. So yeah, I know the area and uh, and I, I used to love visiting New York. I actually owned property in New York. For a couple of years. Um, so it's really, I'm, I'm delighted to have you on the podcast today. And your background, I'm particularly interested to, to kind of explore into how you've established a multifamily sort of investment sponsor and management company. And um, so, you know, I have a good audience here uh, from a mixed. Uh, age category, and also, you know, investors, developers, and then people wanting to learn. So there's always lessons to be learned from these conversations. Just sure. to just to kind of kick off the story, Anthony, um, give us a little bit of your backstory. I mean, starting with, you know, your, your upbringing and, and what your journey to kind of entering into the whole real estate sector in the first place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, graduated from university here in the States um, in 2014. Uh, I had a startup company that I ran with a couple partners from basically 2011 to 2014, 2014 late 2014, and um, I got into the real estate business in 2015. After running that startup, it was in retail consumer products. Um, you know, had a couple other partners. Well, they're a little bit more passionate than I was, so but that's a good thing because sometimes you got to learn to move on. Um, so I was able to you know exit from that and move on to um, really pursuing my passion, which is real estate investing. Um, And didn't know it at the time, but I just, you know, I have some family in the business in different, you know, parts of the business, but, um, you know, got to learn from them and, you know, really wanted to, you know, make an impact on the industry at some point. But at that time, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. So I ended up working for uh, finding a job, just do networking with different people. I must I don't know, maybe a thousand people for wow. I don't know, maybe a couple of months um, after I left my startup because I wanted to figure out I knew I wanted to be in real estate, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have anything lined up. I was still learning, I was reading books, I was listening to podcasts, I was watching video, you know, YouTube videos, a um, couple of different ideas, looking at a couple of deals, and um, you know, ended up landing a position with the firm that was buying class A office in here in the States, up and down. The East Coast multi tenant investment grade properties. Um, so, you know, I ended up working as an analyst there to start in from 2015 to 2020. Um, and then, you know, I was, I saw everything. I was, you know, working uh, definitely more, you know, a lot of typical, you know, analyst position, working a lot of hours in the beginning um, and actually throughout the whole time, but basically, you know, learned a, a lot and, you know, saw. The acquisition process I was involved, actually you know, was able to add value on the, you know, finding deals for the company, help grow their portfolio from about when I started maybe four million square feet to about eight million square feet or seven and a half. So basically doubled it in that five year period or helped doubled it. And um was very fortunate to be around people who have been in the industry for a long time, um, you know, 30, 40 years, and um, was able to help capital raise for the firm, was able to like I said, find source opportunities, was able to be involved with asset management, was able to be involved in property management, construction management, development, your name. So every it.
0: every aspect of the, they really gave you the kind of, yeah the ability to kind of learn all of those aspects. Yeah. That's super helpful. I mean, Counting, and, and, yep. and and just having guys that have experienced, you know, uh, this business, it, it, you can learn it by yourself, but it's so much help more helpful if you can have somebody who's got a couple of years of experience just to kind of steer you in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. So it was really a blessing. And, you know, was able to leverage what I learned there, even though it was office, um, you know, very difficult asset class, especially right now, I mean, you could do well, in certain areas, we had our own niche where we were doing well. Um, and then, you know, 2016, kind of like late 2016, I was there for a couple of years, so um, felt comfortable to buy my first property of my own, it was a very small investment for me, it was like, you know, in the US it was maybe like $25,000 investment. And wanted to buy it myself it was a two duplex property in the town I actually grew up in. Okay. Um, so was able to, you know, buy that um, property, was able to I had to evict both the tenants. I did it myself. So I learned the landlord tenant court um, very quickly, and <laughs> uh, you know, was able to retenant that for higher rent, was able to go in there, do the renovations myself and then re-rent it for a higher price. And so you rolled I just, your
0: sleeves up in a big way and you actually did a lot of the work yourself rather than hiring people to do this
1: yeah because you want to I wanted to learn um yeah, yeah. yeah I remember I had my friend help me change the lock like change the locks with the ten- with the constable so yeah so learned a lot um and uh you know was able to basically take that investment and use a kind of a case study because I got all my money out in like a year just from the cash flow I didn't refi
0: Okay, and um, Nice one. And tell me yeah, this, just in terms of the deal, you say 25,000 uh, include, you know, your debt level closing costs. Yeah, it, well. it was,
1: uh, it was, you know, it is a higher, it was a higher leverage loan at the time, but it was, yeah. it was for basically first time home buyers within a certain income limit. Yeah. And uh, it was like 5% down type of thing. I did move yeah. in there. I ended up moving out, uh, but was able to, you know, basically um, take well, advantage can, of that.
0: I can see yes. it like if you're able to get a 5% down loan then it's a really good way to start your your career
1: at 2.8%. I mean so yeah. Yeah. The, on our podcast we talked about low fixed 30 year fixed rate debt. So that I felt comfortable with that. Um and it's probably like 60% leverage now based upon the value but that could turn um so but I don't care cuz it's 30 year you know really low yeah. debt. Um and uh, so that was my first one, and then my second one. I ended up partnering with another individual, you know, actually a family member. But we ended up buying, doing the same thing. We bought a two-unit. It was vacant in the town that we, you know, both of us knew. Um, cleaned it up, you know, repositioned it a little bit, and uh, got new tenants. Actually, had to evict the tenants again, and got new tenants in there. I rented it for I think it was maybe a hundred percent more than what they were getting before. And wow. then we just, we decided to sell it. We were looking at the IRRs and our equity multiples and we we're like, let's just get out of it. We'll make three X our money. It was like 40% IRR. It's a two family. Why the hell do we want to hold this. So we sold that and um,
0: three extra money though. It's nice. Yeah.
1: In a year. So that's why we were like, let's get out of it and put the money somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so I ended up selling that with the partner and it was my first partner experience to part-time. This is all easy stuff.
0: So you were um, working full-time. In yeah. Your, two
1: family. In your... You can handle that. Uh, a yeah. couple, of, couple of units. Um, and then in 2017, I met my kind of late 17. I met my now business partner, Brian, through a former coworker. He played for the uh, NFL um, here and he was, you know, retired um, and had some capital from playing for eight years but was in his early thirties. And a lot of those, you know, NFL players kind of go broke quickly. And yeah, spend I've, heard their money. That. I've heard some yeah.
0: incredible stats that, you know, something like 70% of them are bankrupt within five years yeah, of retirement. Probably more than that. Yeah. So wow, he amazing. didn't want to
1: be one of those statistics yeah, and yeah. wanted to, he was reading a lot about multifamily, et cetera. He came into our office one day and we met each other and he's, and I told him I was buying some small multifamilies and he's like, Oh, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, you know, but I don't want to do it alone. So it's like, all right, well, maybe we can look at some deals together and see what we can work out. So we got to get to know each other for a few months. And then we ended up buying our first deal together in 20, yeah, I think it was 2018. Um, it was a 10 unit prop mixed use properties. So ground floor retail apartments above, uh, we did, we took the NOI from like 90,000 to 160,000 in a year. Actually it was less than that. It was like eight months, uh, very Just- mismanaged property.
0: In, yep. in terms of just um, the jump in scale for you yep. was that a, was that a significant jump in scale from your previous deal
1: yeah like i said i was buying two family units two family here two family and then you're going here. to 10 units going to 10 um, it was a straight up partner you know joint joint venture straight up partnership you just whatever if i could put in 50,000 us and he put in 200 us it's just whatever you put in is what you're getting okay so um, it
0: wasn't a 50-50 venture it was no. he, he was he's like a capital partner and then you're the person who's rolling up your sleeves and doing
1: it. no we both rolled up our sleeves oh, okay, okay so Great. because we, you know we had the vision of okay let's take you know at some point we want to do larger deals and let's take it to i didn't even argue with it it's just okay i'm on the same no, page
0: that makes sense
1: um, so yeah so we both you know did the management ourselves and obviously i was working so he, he spent more time at the property and uh so we ended up buying that we like i said we took the noi quickly he saw what the power of that is we ended up Doing a cash out refi on that. We still own it. Um, very low fixed rate debt. We took it and um, we uh, ended up refinancing that. We, we took the cash, we put it in another 10 unit property, um, one retail, nine apartments. We did the same thing there. Um, so we bought, it was it? we basically went from a 10 to another 10 to a 13 to a 20 and a 12. So we bought about 70 units together, just the two of us within. Basically, from 2018 to the end of 2019, so a couple year period.
0: That's pretty and fast. Wow, it's
1: but it was our money, so it was yeah, not, I yeah. wasn't taking on anybody else's money. Um, I was... But it's great
0: that you could do that in in that space of time and not have to give up any additional equity because you you've got a partner now who's got who has enough money to to be able to kind of roll into the first deal, and then you can just continuously use the cash from the previous deal to roll into the next one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously it was all time dependent too, but you know, I single at the time and very yeah. low expenses. So I was able to do that now, Mary. And um, you know, obviously that helped. And um, so basically once we started to refinance a couple of these deals in late 2019, I found an opportunity. It was a 50, no it's 49 unit building. We had, no 48. We ended up adding a few units. So now it's 51, but um, we ended up, Looking at that, it was like a $5 million U.S. property and um, in our backyard, very mismanaged, very under rented, a lot of upside, and we wanted to buy it. Um, but I was like, listen, I mean, this is $5 million property. We're going to have to put in $2 million of down payment. That's for me, it's not going to happen. And um, so why don't we end up partnering with other people and syndicating and whatnot, bring on financial resources? So yeah, we ended up syndicating that. And that was our first larger deal. Uh, we brought on like 15 investors, and those were all his friends and family, my friends and family, just through our network. And uh, whatever, everybody put up 50 to 100 thousand piece and we ended up buying it just traditional syndication. Um, and that was our first larger deal. And interestingly enough, when we got under contract, pretty much a couple of weeks after it was just like in December, no November 2019. Um, owner f- from the property there's another multifamily property behind the one we were buying who wanted to sell off market and found out we were buying under contract or whatever. And asked us if we wanted to buy it. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Scale. Yeah. Why not? And, um, it was a 64 unit building. So we actually went under contract with that. And then I left my job.
0: So okay. it, made it sense was that like, that it stage. was too much. Yeah, yeah, too yeah. Much.
1: So, you know, yeah. So ended up leaving there full-time January, 2020. Um, and, uh,
0: before the COVID situation, before the COVID, yeah,
1: we, yes, we had another property under, we got under contract, um, near us as well, um, in like February or early March. And then obviously, you know, the COVID pandemic happened and everything closed. It just took longer because the banks dried up and went up, but not people, people wanted to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, you know, constantly networking, trying to find new partners, investors, and, um, Yeah, so we, you know, basically took I leveraged the experience from working there. Basically, you know, our portfolio as well. We were putting our money where our mouth was. We were investing in the syndications too. So it wasn't like I didn't have any skin in the game nor my partner. And um, so yeah, so we ended up, you know, closing on those kind of they ultimately closed like Q2. They were supposed to close Q one. But um yeah, we ended up buying those and then um obviously we basically went from the 70 units. At the end of 2019, to now we have 640. I'm under contract for a few other things now, wow. which will bring bring that number. So you've number scaled
0: up. up significantly since then. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That's and really in, impressive. Yes. And in terms of your, I mean, uh, obviously I've done syndication before, and one of the attractive things about it is, is you can have your you can invest in the deal yourself. So, you're going to get the upside. That you, but in addition to that, you have the benefit of being the promoter and the manager. So, th- there's fees for all of that. So, that, yes. that pays you to basically. Uh, so, that was how you were able to leave your job.
1: Yes, yes, um, absolutely. So, it, 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 you know, really where you make your money in the syndication on the back end through yeah. any capital type of events. Um, yeah, if you sell it,
0: there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a success fee and things like that. Yes,
1: absolutely. You have to hit certain return metrics for your partners and passive investors. Um, so yeah, so I felt comfortable and again, single, no kids. So it's easier for me to make that decision. And, you know, for me, it was, it was like, it's going to be my one shot to do this. Why let's, let's, let's do it. Um, So at the
0: time you had 70 units with your partner, you had just entered into contract for 48 And then the 64, 64. yes. And at that point, it made sense to for you to kind of had a conversation
1: with my boss, my former boss, in December. Um, You know, few weeks' notice. I had, I had, I had to do it. I didn't feel comfortable um, taking on people's money and then just being one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, it it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that too. I think Um, no, it's
0: very important. Like your reputation is everything in this business, and like your integrity clearly you've got integrity to even have had that conversation because I do know some people that would try to moonlight with, you know, and keep their do both.
1: Yeah, both. no, and it, it just, it just wasn't going to work. And we were self-managing too. So that 48 unit property, we were managing. I didn't even have a super. That was a mistake, but we, <laughs> <Yeah>. were, man- <laughs> we were you know driving up to the property and pretty much every day for the first few months. Um, but we were going, we were going at it. We were knocking on tenants doors that weren't paying. We were doing cash for keys. We were doing all these crazy things, Um, I was able to, um, you know, we bought it for five and a half. We put in, we added units. We got the rent roll up like 40%. This is before the pandemic. We got most of it up. Yeah, Um, It wasn't just, you know, market related. And we really, we we like to force appreciation. Uh, We don't just rely on, oh, inflation is going to be, you know, 8%. So let's just say that rents are going to go up 6%. doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we really invested money in where they needed to be, which was in kitchens and bathrooms and floors and exterior monument signage and landscaping, hardscaping, and adding units, reconverting old retail to apartments, which we did that on three of the units. Um, so, yeah, we basically doubled the NOI there within a year. I did a cash out refi um, about 16 months later. Everybody got their money back. It was like 22% return just on that. Um, and we're going to hold for it the, for a little bit
0: for the people that are listening that don't know what NOI that's net, uh, operating income. And, yes. um, and so, I mean, if you buy it, if you buy something and you've doubled your net operating income, you've effectively doubled the price of the property as well. And yes. so your yeah, 5 million you invested is now worth 10 effectively.
1: Yeah. It, it appraised for 9.7. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, You know, took a took a loan out, paid all the investors back to initial capital and then put it into something else, basically tax free. Um, So. So, yeah. So then that kind of helped us grow in 2021. We had a few deals we bought in 2020. We refinanced and we found new deals. Uh, But the thing with that is, you know, you have a lot of groups. I see they don't even finish their business plan and they're already on the next deal, next deal, next deal. That's where they get into trouble. Yeah, um, at least yeah. with these deals, we were able to give our investors principal back. We paid their preferred returns. We gave them more than that, um, so everybody's happy, no matter what. And uh, we're able to scale moving forward with, with the, with same the profits, basically, yeah. and the profits and the same people. That's um, great. We have yeah. new people coming in all the time, but it's you know it's good to have that, and you know the that point gives I'm, you
0: great credibility as well.
1: Well, the point I'm saying is, you have it. You start building a track record. You have a following. You have you know, one investor comes in, they get a good deal. They tell their brother, their sister, their yeah, cousin, yeah. whoever, and they kind of come in. Um, so it's good. And you kind of build your business organically. Um, and I'm a little bit, you know, it kind of hurts me a little bit because, you know, I, I, I hear these guys, you know, Grant Cardone, are, yeah, it's by a thousand units at a time, 2000 units every quarter, whatever. I'm like, well, you know, I kind of want to make sure that one's performing and then we'll start to look at more deals yeah, and we'll start yeah. to, that's where you get into trouble. Um, and I've seen I that. think
0: that's a wise move. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, so we're just trying to be strategic and we have the property management division too. So I have, you know, a, a senior property manager and I have maintenance people at every state you know, every location, I have leasing people at every location. Um, we have an accountant a bookkeeper. Um, so that's, that's a lot of where my time is spent on, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, but you know, we, especially in the infancy of your business, I think property management is key um, and you know, I'm not like, I'm not like a vintage company yet. I'm still somewhat new. Um, if I have one bad deal, it's going to be with me forever. And I'm you yeah. know, almost 30 years old. So, you know, property management is really a pain in the ass. It is. Um, and you know, this, yes. and, um, but why not suck it up for a few years or a decade and, and really get it? Because that's really where you, you know, if you're buying existing, it's the differentiator. Yeah properties, you have to know what to look for when you hire somebody um, in the future, if, you, if that's what you're planning to do. So um, it's a blessing in, a, in, a, in disguise, but it is, it is a pain point.
0: <laughs> and, and tell me this, uh, Anthony, in terms of, you know, I, I like to talk about the habits and the behaviors and the mindset that's really kind of made a difference um, in, in your business. I mean, w- have you identified any particular? behavior or habit that that really has kind of made a difference for you in building and scaling your business,
1: yeah, I mean, putting good systems in place, uh, my partners really helped with that. I was pretty resistant to it because I was used to just doing everything myself or whatever. But you know, putting good people in place at certain you know in certain roles, um even if you know you are bearing the expense, you know and it, it, the more pro- as you know, the more properties you own, you can kind of, Leverage that across all your units or properties um, so that actually the costs go down the more you yes, buy, yeah, um, potentially. So, um, well, it also not... gives
0: you the capability to scale because now yes. you have these people in place, and so it might be costly at the end at the outset, but every 50 unit building that you add to it is just incrementally bringing down that unit cost,
1: yes, exactly. So, that's how we're looking at it now moving forward, and, and that was one of the reasons why we self-met, like going up to the properties ourselves in the beginning was we were looking at the cost. We couldn't afford it really to have somebody help with that. We could afford a super, we were just trying to find some, a good one. And, um, you know, so yes, the scale really did bring us the ability to leverage people, good people um, to put in place and good systems. We have an investor management system, we have property management system, we have, you know, uh, a workflow system, um, I have, you know, system for the media that we do and the stuff we put out as we're doing now, Gavin, um, you know, systems do help you scale. Um, even sure. if you're looking at the costs front. just gotta be strategic about it. You know, the way I look at it too, like you said, okay, if we buy this property, um, maybe I can hire a VA to do this because it's not going to cost that much in the grand scheme of things across your portfolio. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about growing smartly and trying to make you know, good decisions.
0: Yeah. And in, um, I mean, in terms of your ambitions for your business, I mean, have you, you know, you're at 600 units now, you mentioned, uh, you know, where does, what does the upper limit look like for you? Or do you think you can just continue to do this and scale?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think,
0: yeah, I think um, is there a sweet spot, I guess is what I'm asking. I don't
1: really have a, I don't really have, oh I don't, yeah, I need to be at 10,000 units. That's not, I don't know. I just don't, I never saw units that you could be at 10,000 units and own 0.0001%. And then you, it's just like you own two units, like yeah, on your own. Yeah. It's, that doesn't do anything for me. Um, so it's adding I guess, value
0: and all that kind of stuff. It's adding valid.
1: value, uh, growing smartly, you know, my like growth's kind of been like, 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 like this. You know, which to me is okay. It's not like this and then, you know, this. And
0: so you don't want to be on the roller coaster. Yeah. I've done that.
1: (laughs) Yes. I don't recommend it. Yeah. We spoke about that. And um, you know, I'm I'm still I'm a young guy. I I didn't live through the real hard. I mean, I did, but I wasn't, you know, really financially exposed um when the hard times really came around. So I try to position ourselves for when because they will come. So it's not a matter of if when. Um, when they, you know, position ourselves in a way for um, still success, you know, protecting principles is key too um, at all times. So, um, you know, try, try to position ourselves in a way to hedge against that. I
0: think if you, I think if you, uh, you watch your reputation, which clearly you're doing, and if you just keep a level head, I think one of the biggest problems with people in the business is, um, and it's a problem with entrepreneurship in general, is there's this whole kind of Instagram comparison lifestyle. And, you know, you see these accounts, and the guy is showing off the latest Lamborghini, or he's wearing this big fancy watch in his hand or whatever, all of these things, they they get, I think they get inside people's heads, and they kind of feel like that they need to play, you know, this, that game too. And, mm-hmm. And it has a, And it, first of all, it makes you do stuff that you might not necessarily want mm-hmm. to do. But second of all, it, there's also, it can put off the kind of investors that you want to have. I know yes. investors that are just totally turned off by that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you end up attracting people that aren't in for the long run. They're probably people that will cut and run as soon as there's any kind of a downturn, because they're probably quite uh, up to their neck in debt if you're living that kind of lifestyle usually you're kind of it's debt fueled
1: yeah no absolutely and you know i would be turned off by it um you know even if it's something that you can afford and whatever you take cash first you can, you can you gotta bear the fruits of your labor too but it's once you start putting it out there and, and flaunting it it's not it's not a good public image I mean people especially do it when di- you're
0: syndicating as well
1: yeah people do it for different reasons you know I'll use Grant Cardone as an example I mean it's just part of his brand I guess um, you know but I, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm on the opposite side of this, the spectrum with, with that um, and uh, yeah it's it's like you know yeah I'm showing I'm showing off my private jet and then you just let's say you just raised whatever 10 million dollars for a deal and it's like if you just showed your private jet off and it's like well Wait a minute. Where did the did how the money much money actually go to yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did the money actually go to the deal? Or did you take you know a million or two and just buy it or at least start, you know, a lease on a jet? Um, so I don't know. Even if it even if I did buy a jet, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell anybody. You yeah. know, <laughs> you I, don't, I wouldn't show, I wouldn't put it out there. Um, I know it's like I said, it's a, that's more of a market. It's I think it a, it's career.
0: all marketing, yeah. I mean, if you follow his career, um It's, you know, it's only about a couple of years ago, he wasn't visible like that at all. And he suddenly made this decision to become, you know, Uncle G, as he calls himself. And as soon as he became Uncle G, he was all flaunting it, the Rolls Royce and all that. Prior to that, if you look at his career, he was not like that at all. And I think he made this conscious decision to become this kind of real flaunted as part of the brand. And it was was a
1: very... Yeah, It's nothing, like I said, I actually like him. It's, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with, you know, what him and other, you know, gurus are doing. They have their own strategy behind it. Um, You know, but it's not for everybody. And uh, yeah, it's horses for courses, as we say, it's different. So yeah, those are just, that's how we've grown. And just, you know, some, a little bit of pain points along the way that we're still going through. But um, again, I'm all about trying to put good systems in place so we can, forward to the next deal the next deal it'll get to whatever amount of units it gets to um i like to say maybe let's do i like to have capital events from other deals and then put the money somewhere else i don't get you you know i do raise additional funds for different deals here and there um but it, it just has to make it just has to make sense
0: yeah um i'm conscious of time anthony i i wanted to just ask you um of all the deals being in the kind of new jersey area you mentioned you did a lot of stuff in your backyard um is that your strategy just to stay in the area or have you started to branch out
1: yeah no so we started we actually started branching out in 2020 um we went to pennsylvania which is a border state of new jersey so that was our first out-of-state investment so we're you know we're able to drive there still within an hour whatever um so that we are branching out of state. I actually am not buying. I actually haven't bought anything in New Jersey in a couple of years um, since 2020. Wow. Um, but uh, we're buying in Florida. You mentioned you had some yes. pe- people you know, you know, and uh, buying a lot in Florida actually right now. So we're in. We bought in New Jersey. We bought in Pennsylvania. We bought in New York State and Florida.
0: My brother lives in West Palm Beach. Yeah. Yep. So- um. And and just tell me. Uh, quickly before we have to bring it to an end Um, the 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 covid the the emergence of covid just after you started the business i mean how did that impact you initially i mean the lockdown must have been quite a worrying development um
1: yeah um, yeah yeah absolutely um i had a different opinion there was a lot of doom and gloom um i just knew I knew the government was going to step up and support the markets as much as they can. And they were going to cut rates. I just, I, I don't know. I just, history, kind of, repeats, history yeah. kind of repeats itself a little bit. And uh, I just knew that was going to happen. And I looked at the historic trends. I just didn't, I didn't see, you know, I just didn't see a collapse of 08, 09 um, happening. Cause it was totally different. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Know. It wasn't speculative. It wasn't fueled yeah. by speculation. So it was, yeah. Different.
1: It's a very different fundamentals. So I just, you know, continuing to do what we were always doing. We're buying, We're also buying high cap rate deals um, at the time. So I felt, you know, felt pretty comfortable um, with where the markets were, even if there was a crash, let's say, you know, the rates went up another 200 basis points and I bought it at an eight cap, you, yeah, you know, still,
0: yeah. it's not going to, yeah, I get, like, so down.
1: it's just, we did sensitivity analysis and we do, we still continuing to do them, um, you know, and we always try to protect the downside, um, try to be as prudent as possible. You can't control everything with on the market side. Um, but, you know, we try to set our portfolio up in a way where we, you know, can weather the storm, but yeah, it, you know, the eviction moratoriums, um, were a problem. Um, fortunately we were able to navigate it, you know, obviously able to get through it They're all lifted in all the States we own it. Um, Still kind of navigating through the courts right now. Some of the bad tenants, I can count on one hand, though. You know, oh, that's good. A portfolio, yeah. which is. Good. I mean, at
0: the end of the day, it hasn't, it hasn't hurt your initial portfolio income. What it's done is maybe slowed the progress towards increasing the NOI, because the the tenants continue to have to pay. I guess don't they? Unless I suppose you, they're just stopping and not paying at all.
1: Yeah, we had some that stopped and not paid at all. I okay. have tenants who haven't paid for a whole two years now, <laughs> um, but again, that, like that, said, that's one of the five, <laughs> one of the five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then some other tenants, some new properties we up, we buy some, of, they have arrears and now we're trying to get them out. So okay, um, it's, it's more of the tenants we've inherited, I would say, rather right. than put in in the first place. People have problems, right. And we understood that. And the people, the tenants who had actual problems, they went and applied for rental assistance. It was a pain in the ass because we didn't get that assistance for two months, but, you know, we had adequate reserves, we had adequate cash flow coming in to weather the storm if we took a 10% hit on our collections for whatever yeah. that month was. Um, so, yeah, so we're, you know, we were very fortunate. Um, hopefully, you know, we're able to still get those bad apples, five bad apples out, and uh, kind of move on with our, our life. Uh, so, um, it's worked out. Yes.
0: It's because I had a guest on not so long ago, and he was telling me that the COVID a lot of the people that this guy is based in the UK and a lot of the people that were in his kind of sector, it was serviced accommodation. They were, um, they pulled out and the COVID situation as negative as it looked at the outset, it actually turned into a huge benefit to him. And he forexed, he scaled his business by four x during COVID. And, yeah. and it does seem like you've done something similar. You've actually used COVID to your advantage.
1: Yeah. Like, well, because you can't, you know, everybody was watching the news. I try not to nowadays, Yeah, um, but, um, you know, you just can't, get, can't let it get you down, even if it was serious and, you know, slow your path to progress. Yeah, you're going to have a lot more bumps than if you were, if, you know, if it didn't happen. But um, I think it makes you stronger, um, not only from a business person perspective, but individual Resilience. perspective to, to get through, yeah, the resilient times, just like, you know, we spoke about before when, when you were going through some times. This was another time to get through it. Um, I mean, we had deals under contract where we had sellers um, that were older and um, they didn't understand why we needed more extensions because the banks basically said, nope, we're not doing anything right now. We want to see what's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah We had to put up half a million dollars, US more, you know, just to continue with the contract. And that I guess was money. That was that was me. And, you know, so we took a lot of risks that we were scratching our heads about. But
0: yeah, yeah. paid off. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, look, Anthony, um, I, I watched in the time. Uh, let us uh, end it there. Can you just for the people who would like to you know learn more about you, can you just tell us what's the best way to find you?
1: Sure. Uh, best way to find me. We actually have a, a special report on our website. It's called How to Leave Your Nine to five through real estate investing and achieve financial independence. So our website's red, rednightproperties.com that's Rednight with the K. As soon as you go on there, um, it's like a free ebook that I offer. You just put your name okay. and email and I'll send it to you. I'll,
0: I'll put a link in the show notes so that people. Yeah. Can that.
1: yeah, you'll get with that email is my contact info and my partner's info. So, um, you know, it'll, you'll just get an email with all that and that, you know, you can still find me anyway on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, facebook either my name anthony scandariato or red knight properties
0: well i'm sure yeah scandariato nobody's going to forget that name <laughs> that's uh, uh anthony thanks so much for your time and uh look forward to uh, catching up with you again in the future hope you're going to come and visit ireland someday
1: absolutely thank you gavin
0: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to Behind the Facade. If you enjoyed the show or found it useful in any way at all, please take a moment to leave a review over on iTunes or alternatively share it out on social media or with a friend who you think the podcast could help. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via my Facebook group, behind the facade community and the longtime listeners will be aware that I have a YouTube channel called Gavin J Gallagher where I have recently begun posting these episodes these actual podcast episodes are up there to watch and shorter videos videos from the construction site that we have at the moment and various other kind of bits of advice and stuff that I put up there so go and check it out if you're not a fan of YouTube you can stay in touch with the various projects I am working on by joining my tribe over at gavinjgallagher.com. And while you're there, you'll be able to check out the online learning and education stuff that I have on the real estate business, including my mastermind. That's all for now, guys. I'll see you back here next week.